0: Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and today I would like to begin by calling in the spirits. I call out to the ancestors, all those who bring that which is good and true and beautiful in your ancestral line to join us, those who bring the legacy of all those who have gone before you, those who support us on whose shoulders we stand. I call out to these ancestors to be with us here today, in particular, those who suffered and we're able through life to find the gift in that pain. We call out to these ancestors to join us today. That we might be able to circle around here together and come to understand how to work with pain in our lives. We call out to these ancestors to hold us in sacred space. That we might come to understand the value of suffering and of pain in our lives. We call out to the earth below to rise up and be with us here today and we give thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming that brought all life as we know it here to this planet. Let us remind ourselves that life is a miracle. And may you live this day understanding you are a piece of that miracle. So go ahead and show people that. We call out to the earth and give thanks to the earth for our sense of connectedness our sense of grounding and home, our sense of belonging, and our interrelationships with all things of all different life here on this planet. We give thanks for the earth for the reminders she gives us that this is a very, very small home, a very precious home, beautiful, and it is our only home. May we take care of this home in a good way together. And with our feet standing firmly in our home and our ancestors gathered around, let us reach up to the sky, to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you call that energy all the way up through all the layers of the sky and out into the cosmos, call out to that energy and draw that energy in, in the center of our circle here, into yourself, into this conversation that we might be guided and inspired. And blessed in these proceedings. That we are protected in these proceedings. That we may become vulnerable and hear. And to say things that have not yet been said. We call out to this energy to bring us the generosity and benevolence. And a feeling of the beneficence of our universe. That we be held well here. Between the sky and the earth. And that we remember that we are born of this big love. Of this great love story of the earth and the sky. Let us go forward from this knowing we are born of love and call out to the energy of our hearts because the heart is very, very special. It has this enormous capacity to deal with the intensity of our passion, the intensity of our great desire to be here and do something and to take that somehow powerful, intense, but often unclear energy and to merge it without damping it with the clarity and brilliance and inspiration of the mind, with the innovative capacity of the mind, and to bring these energies together in our heart that we might know our soul's true purpose. May we all go forward in this day better able to know and to live and to give our soul's purpose to the world. And before we go any further, I want to give thanks for all those of you who are donating, mostly those from Last Mass community, but other listeners who are beginning to donate so that we might keep the show on the air. So today, our topic is transforming pain in its many forms. And as I was talking with my helping spirit about today's show, since I kind of didn't want to do the show, it sounded um, painful. (laughs) I thought, this is going to be boring, but she said, no, 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 that this is about the dynamic between earthly desires run amok. And whenever the word amok comes up, it's always going to be a good thing. So this is about the earthly desires running amok and overrunning our capacity to feel the desire of our soul. So what are earthly desires? What earthly desires are, are all of those, how does something become a desire? So basically, we are children. We have legitimate needs as a child. And as those needs are imperfectly met, we develop wants and desires. And so what these earthly desires are At their root is the story from your childhood of all of the places where your needs didn't get met and how you learned to get your needs met or to create some surrogate of that. Um, Just like we talked about uh, in the show about addiction, how what we need gets stopped. And so we start doing something else to compensate. So our earthly desires come out of the imperfect life of the child. Now, one of the things we need to understand before we go a moment further is y'all weren't supposed to have a perfect life. None of us have a perfect life. Perfection doesn't exist at our level. I encourage you to go read some of the quotes from someone like Helen Keller perfection at at just the personal level, it doesn't exist. And if we didn't have a little dysfunction in our family, we would have no compassion for others, no ability to empathize and understand what is going on with others. So there's nothing wrong with a little dysfunction in your family. There's nothing wrong with having a few needs that don't get met so that you are motivated to grow up and meet your needs. <clears throat> the problem is, by the time we're grown up enough to go meet our own needs, most of us have forgotten what it is that we truly need and continue to try to meet the needs of the child again and again and again. So, this is what we're talking about. And in, in, when we start talking about pain, we're really talking about the dynamic that gets created between who we've learned to be. And how we've learned to survive, and that false self that we've created, and the soul, the authentic self, the person within you who knows why your soul is here, which is your soul's need. And I find this very interesting, this whole dynamic, and I and I watch this play out all the time, and this whole um, earthly desires running amok. So. When a person leaves a week-long workshop with me, the week-long workshops are all part of the cycle of transformation four-year training. So when a person leaves that week-long workshop, they are transformed, especially around their power. And what often happens is these people get home. Actually, let me back up a minute. So they are transformed, although the transformation is not yet Um, invested in form it's happened energetically it's happened spiritually it's happened to some degree psychologically and emotionally but it is not yet manifest in the physical realm and so the task after these workshops is to go forward to meet spirit halfway and to make the transformation real in our thoughts and words and actions in our life and That path is clear after the workshop, but the actions do need to be taken to make the transformation that has occurred energetically the reality in the physical world. So that's the state that people are in when they leave the workshop. The transformation has occurred and now it needs to be invested in form. So they go home and their partner says, and this happens equally for men and women, so don't think for a moment there's any gender bias here, but people go home and within a couple weeks, sometimes days, sometimes hours, they get some message back from their partner and it's often very direct that basically says, I liked you better before you went to that stupid workshop. And now here's the key or here's the critical piece. And then the person who spent all that time, energy, and resources to go to that workshop lets the transformation go. They find a raft load of excuses to not do their part, to not meet spirit halfway, and over the next couple of months, things will go back to exactly how they were before the ritual, plus what is the new thing? The person adds to the the weight or the inevitability of that old pattern. They add to it the disappointment. They add to it the betrayal of themselves. And most people can't face self-betrayal directly in the eyes. And so they turn it into that belief that spirit isn't there spirit won't help, that it never works for me, that I can't journey well enough, or some sort of story, so they don't have to deal with the fact that they betrayed themselves. All because their partner said, I liked you better before. Well, of course they do. You come back and you're changing things. It creates discomfort for people. You're using your power now in ways you didn't before, which requires the other person respond, perhaps to use their power with greater integrity. That's uncomfortable for them. Of course, they liked you better before. You were in a codependent relationship with them and they were using your energy. All of these things are possible. The list goes on and on. Of course, they liked you better before. What did you expect? So I've watched a student over the last three years suffer deeply. She's a deeply loving, caring, sincere individual. And that she has been struggling for years now in this process, coming home twice a year after these workshops transformed, struggling with a husband who the first week she came back changed. Very clear that she had found the path for her in shamanism, that she, she had found a teacher that would help her do what she wanted to do and a community of people that would support her in doing that, and that this was the way for her to express, to most accurately express her soul's purpose and her gifts to the world. And as she came home excited to share this with her husband, he made her wrong. In his language back to her. And he let her know. That he didn't believe in spirit. And he thought she was crazy. So I watched that happen. The very first week. She returned home. And knew right then. What was going to happen eventually. But what surprised me. About this example. Is I watched this woman. Suffer in this relationship. Between her. Working very hard to transform herself, and then working equally as hard to try to transform her relationship and her marriage so that they could continue to coexist together. And she, and in doing this, she lost everything. And what I saw in this is that she, since she seriously, deeply believed what it is she had to have. And that there was a list of what had to be that was written entirely in her childhood. And it was because she kept trying to honor everything on that list that kept her engaged in a relationship that was so obviously not going to work out. Whereas if that had been clear after the first week, They might have just shook hands as equals and parted and gone separate ways and had one of those nice divorces you can get in three weeks for $300 for cheap. But instead, now it's a messy, horrible drama. So this is what we're going to talk about here today because she is not any different than you or like me in my earlier life. Our inability to let go of what we think is so important and so true which are simply old stories left over from our childhood and to not make the desires of our soul, the priority. We are meant to shed that survival based check and balances life we got from childhood. That is what the initiation from childhood to adulthood is for in indigenous cultures. It's absolutely critical that we shed that story and we do not drag it into adulthood. Yet here in the contemporary world, everyone drags it into adulthood. It is the rare individual that actually has some opportunity to individuate as a teen in a good way. Many are forced to, but not in a way that embraces them as an adult coming back into the community in a way that helps them to understand what has happened in anything other than a negative frame. So psychologically, we do have a term for this, which is individuation. But psychologically, we don't do a very good job of making it happen relative to the transformative power of initiation in which spirit is making it happen in relationship with our own spirit. So the big S spirit is making it happen in relationship with the little S spirit, that that the true power of initiation is limited when it's mitigated by the mind. And so when individuation is turned uh, primarily into a psychological process, it loses its oomph and completeness, loses a great deal of its completeness because true transformation for a human being results in transformation spiritually, um, mentally, emotionally, and physically. So, So what is the soul's desire? Since we're here sort of looking at this balance or this dynamic between earthly desires and the soul's desire. Because many people treat or understand the soul as something that's just here. That desires are this dirty thing that the body does and the soul is pristine and somehow without needs. And I beg to differ. What in the world are you doing here if your soul doesn't need to be here? Your soul needs to be here because it is here to bring a unique gift to the world that has never been known before and it will never be known again. I am not talking about karma. That there is a uniqueness in every person. And in that way, we are all absolutely special. But we are not special in any other way. We all suffer the same. We all do the same in stupid things. We all learn. We all teach. We all heal. We're all healers. Blah, 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 blah. And hopefully along the way, we'll all evolve. Maybe even become enlightened. But none of that is the point. The point of your life is why your soul chose to be here at this time in this body and that is the soul's desire. and shamanic cultures around the world have focused on this. Um, when Tom Pinkston talked about his book, his new book and the wichol People, he talked about finding the path of the heart, finding the path that the heart knows that letting the heart remember. Why you are here. The head the head can't possibly. There's too much going on up there. But the heart knows. As does the soul. As does your truth cord. So the important thing to understand. Is don't listen to me. Like you were born in the 1950s. And everything is black or white. It's not either or. It is a perspective of balance. You must tend to your earthly needs. Without letting desires run amok we must celebrate life we must celebrate and enjoy being a human there's a reason you're here as a human and not a tree or a sunflower or a dog you must celebrate being a human and all that that means and all of that your earthly needs your celebration of life your celebration of being a human all of that must serve the expression of your soul's purpose. That is the balance, the dance, the dynamic of being here in human form. So in my 20s, I was suffering the pains that most contemporary people do. I wasn't initiated like anybody else. And thus I was not free of my earthly desires and all of the stories and the addictions and everything that went with that. And then of course, in addition to that, the shamanic energies were desperately trying to get through my thick head. And so there was a lot of pressure, a lot of internal stress. And my soul was um desperately, frankly, trying to be heard. And I was just as desperately trying not to hear it. Pretty much like everybody else. At that time, though. I had several really good teachers. No, not just one. I was very hard-headed. I actually had three at that time. Very excellent, excellent teachers. And at that time in my life, I was still pretty role-identified with being a quote-unquote good student. It had served me well in life. I was still pretty attached to it. and So consequently, it worked out for me. Might have been wrong motivation, but it was the right action. I was a very good student to these very, very good teachers. And as a result of their teachings, their insight, their encouragement, um, I made choices that allowed me to individuate from my parents in a good way. um, Psychologically and emotionally. And that it ultimately, the way that I, those choices manifest or the, as I took action on those choices, that that individuation from my parents provoked an initiation into adulthood in the spirit sense. Now this was rather prolonged and painful and not terribly graceful, but it did ultimately get the job done. I mean, what should have happened in a couple of weeks or a couple of months took a couple of years, but nonetheless, function accomplished. So as I look back at that time, I see it as a time in which I was learning to transform pain in all aspects of my being. And and I did not have a connection with shamanism yet. So I didn't have a working relationship with spirit yet. All I had were a few skills and that I had to use those things that I could get my hands on. The other thing that I didn't have at that time, which I look back on now as a blessing, as terrifying as it was, is I didn't have any money. I couldn't go from workshop to workshop and continue being a good student. That one thing led to another, and I didn't have a source of income anymore to speak of. I couldn't afford to go to workshops. And so it kept me out of looking for that fix, that way to get out of pain, that, that weekend, that teacher, that CD set, that whatever was going to be the next thing. That would help me numb the pain. I had to just hunker down and do the work, and I had to just work with what I had. And thankfully, I was blessed with having a small but very good skill set. And for those of you that have actually been listening to the shows, um, that skill set was all of the energy medicine pieces we've been talking about, a practice for cultivating grounding a practice for cultivating good boundaries, a practice for clearing energy in in my body and in my chakras, Um, a practice for using, and in particular, a practice for accurately using what's going on in life as messages from spirit. And so this, this small but very, very effective skill set allowed me during this time when I didn't have any money, had a lot of time on my hands, not a lot of money, to just do the work. So during this time also, I came across um, a set of books by Rusty Berkus, R-U-S-T-Y, B-E-R-K-U-S. And I looked around a little bit on the internet in getting ready for this show, and they're still available. Some are still available even at bookstores, um, but it looks like most of them are available at www.rustyberkus.com, R-U-S-T-Y-B-E-R-K-U-S.com. Now, they're a little new agey for where we are now, but this was you know a couple decades ago, but they are beautiful, and they are very simple. And at this time, now remember, I did not have a relationship with my helping spirits yet to speak of that I was aware of. Um, And I was really trying in this long, prolonged um, initiation into adulthood to find a way to give meaning to my suffering that I might learn, not do the same thing over again, um, and, and glean some understanding from it. And in one of these books by Rusty Berkus, there was a phrase that was something like this. All earthly pain is your inability to let go of something that wants to be set free. It was something like that. That's pretty close. All earthly pain is your inability to let go of something that wants to be set free. So I would contemplate earthly pain. What does that mean? I contemplated my inability to let go of things. And I also contemplated what it might be that wanted to be set free. Now, I also contemplated on how unfair that statement seems for those people that are born in pain. Doesn't seem quite fair. And truthfully, I don't think I understood this statement at all until I started working in shamanism. Nonetheless, it rang true for me. As hard as it is, and and even in those places I could imagine it would be hard to apply, not necessarily my life because I wasn't born into pain, but for others, how unfair that seemed, it rung so solidly with my truth cord that I held on to it. And I used it all the time, actually. And so, basically, whenever I would notice myself in pain, and at that time, I was very good at getting into a vast variety of painful situations and suffering over my suffering, just like everybody else. But I would ask myself, okay, I'm in pain. What wants to be free? And more importantly, how do I let it go? What do I need to do to let whatever wants to be set free go? And what I learned from that with all of those energy medicine practices is I learned how to clear and release a whole variety of different kinds of pain physical pain, emotional pain, psychological pain or mental pain, and spiritual pain. And in the end, what I found is that no matter where they were manifesting in my life, you know, whether it was psychological or emotional or physical or whatever. No matter how they manifested, that in the end, at the source, the reason they were still in my life is because they were all held in my body. And that there's a whole healing art then about learning how to follow the energy of things from their manifestation in the physical world into your body and to follow the energy to the source of this pain or suffering. Now, I didn't really understand this fully, again, until shamanism, but I worked with it, and I had the skills from working with Phyllis Pei, who is in um, the Bay Area in California, uh, to work with the energies. And these skills are discussed pretty thoroughly In a series of shows that I did last year called The Basics of Living Well, there's a show on grounding, there's a show on boundaries and protection, and there's a show on cultivating energy. But basically what this amounts to is visualizing daily the energy body, your own energy body with your connection from the sky and the earth moving through you, your chakras running down that central channel, your grounding cord extending from your first chakra down to the center of the earth, your head opening up and connecting up to the highest power of the universe, and then clearing, doing two things. One is to clear the chakra energies and the space between you and your boundaries, and also to clear and repair the boundaries as well. So it's all this energetic clearing and repair work. And I didn't really understand this fully until shamanism showed me that even the pains a person truly doesn't seem to be holding on to, like those people that are just born in some sort of painful illness or something like that, that energetically somewhere in some realm, there is something being held on to, even if it's by the unresolved energies of the ancestors or something the person doesn't appear to have any control over. That somewhere, that energy that wants to be set free is being held. And often, this issue is exactly why we need to go to shamans and have them journey for us, so that they can find wherever that holding on is in another realm, and to find also what are the means to release it. And this is a way that I actually see or conceive of a great deal of shamanic healing work. So the important thing that I I gleaned from this at that time, even before the shamanism, is that there was a gift at the end of that tunnel, that path, that following the energy. So, you know, Rusty says, all earthly pain is your inability to let go of something that wants to be set free. What she doesn't say in that quote, I mean, she probably says it in other books, but what she doesn't say in that quote is, and that once you truly set it free, what you gain most of the time is some aspect of yourself that is shut down. That often the thing that really wants to be set free is some aspect of your true nature. So in the end of the clearing process, there is a gift. In all of our suffering, not only is there the thing to be set free, but in that freedom is a gift, and that gift is most often yourself. And it is through reclaiming yourself that we are better able to feel our own authenticity, And from that authenticity to feel the soul and its desires. And so there is a direct dynamic between caught up in the story of your earthly desires and your your actions to try to feed those earthly desires. There's a direct relationship between that and how that robs us of ourselves in such a way that we're not here to be able to connect into our soul's desires and to really feel our own authenticity and to understand through that feeling the path to our soul's purpose and our soul's desires. So just as some examples then of clearing pain, the thing we need to remember always about any process involving a human is that different aspects of yourself may and usually do require different modalities to work in them. Uh, So, in other words, physical issues need things that help you address the physical realm. Emotional issues need modalities that allow you to connect into the emotional realm. So, for example, most people have experienced to some degree in therapy how there's a certain emotional element that gets left out in traditional therapy that feels necessary. And so part of what we find is that the emotions are just not very well expressed through words. And that is certainly why people invented art, expressive arts, because they couldn't express the deep emotional states that they were in through words, that they defy words. There are no words for it. How many times have you found yourself in that situation where you simply couldn't express what you were truly feeling? Well, that's how it is. You're not supposed to be able to. That the emotional realm, the emotional intelligence has its own language. And it primarily moves most clearly through art, through movement, through sound, through dance, through art, through poetry. Through, through ways of expressing ourselves that don't require a linear logic. And then there's also, of course, um, the modalities that let us do clearing work in the mental realm. And this can be something as linear and um, mental as Landmark landmark trainings, that there is certainly a valid way to begin to engage with the mental realm. But it can also be something that is um, not so psychological. But anyway, it does need to engage the mind and our capacity to understand and conceive of things. And then finally, there's pain in the spiritual realm. And in some ways, this realm is the easiest to deal with. Because pain in the spiritual realm is purely your choice. In the spiritual realm, there is never going to be any proof for us. We can't even prove whether there are souls. No more can we prove that there aren't souls. That the elements of the spirit realm may never be known. And so basically, whatever suffering you may be feeling in the spirit world is entirely your choice. You can choose to hate God if you want to and suffer over that. You can choose to believe in God if you want to, to not believe in God, to believe in spirit, to believe in a great oneness, that all of these things are choices that you can make. And if the choices you were given in your family of origin story have only brought you suffering, Make a new choice that the spirit world is so much bigger than we are so able to contain all of us in all of our foolishness and all of our brilliance, that it really is that simple. You simply need to make a new choice and then ferret out within yourself, all the aspects of yourself that will not align with that new choice. And so in the end, it's not about your relationship with spirit. It's about your relationship with yourself and your ability to clear those selves that are unwilling to align with your belief, your experience, your your experience with spirit at this time. So let me share a couple examples then about clearing in these different realms. The physical world is very interesting in its clearing in that there's a great deal of shape-shifting and that you can have a physical pain. Um, So I'll just mention that Arnold Mendel and the School of Process-Oriented Psychology works with this process a great deal how to find the message in a body signal, some sort of pain or sensation in the physical body, and how to communicate with the body intuitively to allow that message to unfold from the pain or the sensation in the physical body. And again, that's Arnold Mendel, M-I-N-D-E-L-L, and Amy Mendel, and that School of Process-Oriented Psychology. So what I find interesting about the physical world is although things are manifest here physically, they still have very um, squiggly, changeable, shape-shifting, energetic reasons for being here. And that even though someone may be physically distorted by something for the rest of their lives, their body you know, may have lost a limb or something like that, Or an organ. Another thing I work with people a lot is they have organs removed. But if the spirit of that organ is brought back, it can function in the body as if the organ were there energetically. Maybe not necessarily physically, but energetically. And the truth of the matter is we're far more energetic than we understand. So emotionally... One of the things that I um, I recently witnessed, some really extreme emotional pain in a client. Um, She was really unaware of shamanism and sort of largely disconnected from that knowing, that, that information. But one way or another, she found out about soul retrieval work and that she had suffered the loss of both parents as a young woman. And that's a very traumatic, usually a very traumatic experience for children to lose their parents, understandably so. And soul loss almost often, not always, but almost always occurs. And so she was, came to me and asked for help. And sure enough, some soul retrieval did occur at that age um, for her. And the challenge that she had to deal with is that the soul part that came back had left at her mother's death. Therefore, that soul part had not grieved the mother's passing. While the woman had, present-time woman had, the, the younger part had not. And as this part came back, over the weeks that unfolded, the woman in present time became utterly and completely overwhelmed by the grief and the emotions, the unexpressed emotions in this part. Overwhelmed to the point of breaking to the point of feeling she was losing her mind and that she was going to just fall apart and lose everything. And she was really very frightened. And we, we talked about this and suggested ultimately that she find someone she could go to and be with face-to-face, because we weren't in the same state, that would help her with the grief work and not didn't necessarily have to understand that the grief was two decades old What would help her with the grief work? She went to one session with a person who did that. And in that process, she was able to do just enough to stop feeling overwhelmed and to get out of that pain of that overwhelm and to begin to relate to the part of herself that carried that pain and in working with the emotions of this part, um, sharing them, between the part and herself, she was able to express them and come to understand dynamics around her mother's death, her feelings around her mother's death that she never understood before. She didn't remember from the first time through. And in the process of expressing these energies, she's gained an entirely new skill set in how to feel And express her own energies and how to understand them in her own body. So all of these great gifts came from the willingness to feel this emotional pain and go through the process of letting go, letting, letting go and allowing what wanted to be free to be free. So in my teachings, We work with this a great deal in the second year as we work with shadow work. And also throughout the four years as we work with what we call the heart addictions, which is noticing the four primary addictions that human beings do and working your way out of them based on their relationship to the four chambers of the heart. And so there's a couple teachings um, in my practice, and especially with my students, where we work on this, how do you clear the emotional body? How do you identify what wants to be set free and how to let it go emotionally? Um, What I find for most people is their frustration comes because they're trying to identify and let go of everything through a therapeutic process. And that only works really for the mind and the psychology. So an example of that would be, you know, it's not just your psychology, it's your point of view on the world, how you see yourself in the world. And some people have some very fundamental beliefs formed young in their childhood that cause an enormous amount of pain in their life um, because of that belief. And the most, the clearest example of that that I can remember is um, a client who was adopted at birth. Um, and so he was taken from his mother really very immediately after birth and you know in the hospital for a while and then and then given to the adoptive parents and um this fact and how that had shaped his reality both energetically and emotionally, but particularly his beliefs about who he was and how he was in the world that were entirely shaped by this one fact of his childhood and so we did some soul retrieval work and brought back a couple different soul parts that had to do with the energetic traumas of that experience for him and as he integrated those parts literally within months and this guy was in his 40s literally within months attitudes about how he had oriented himself in the world that had been true for decades simply melted away as that unresolved issue was resolved, as he worked with his soul parts, that that the beliefs forged in that pain were let go of, because the beliefs wanted to be set free. And what emerged from him is a feeling for the first time in his life that he knew that he belonged here. And that his sense of belonging and wanting to be here and being loved came entirely from within himself. And this was enormously empowering and a great gift that came from his willingness to let those beliefs go and let that pain of his childhood go free. And this is one thing we work on a great deal in the third year of the training is these stories. Where do they come from? Why do we keep living out of them? What is the, how do we know when it, we're, we're coming out of the child story? How do we know when we're coming from an adult place? How do we understand these um, way in which these stories program us to get all caught up in these earthly desires? And chasing down the, the response to these earthly desires. And how we get buried as the earthly desires run amok in our life. It is entirely because of the stories that we're telling ourselves. And so we work with this in the third years. How these stories have shaped ourselves and our life and the pain and the suffering that we feel. And how to ultimately release those stories by returning simply to the beginning. When you were a child of the divine and you are a child of the divine and there is no separation and there can be no separation, no matter what anybody says, no matter what anybody does, that you are one with all things. And through that relationship, your needs are met. And with this return to the beginning so many of these stories are able to be released, and as the stories are released, then the earthly desires go, and we become able then to focus inward on the soul's desire and the reason that we are here. And so there are many different ways to clear pain, but the important thing in all of it is that in the clearing. And the letting old things go free, old ways of being, old selves, old ways that are outmoded by our growth, letting those energies go free, we're able then to claim an aspect of ourself we weren't able to be in touch with before. And again, in that way, our, authentic, our authenticity is, reco- is coalesced again, that we come into a stronger stance of wholeness and completeness And from that place, we don't feel so needy, so driven by our earthly desires, and we are better able to tune in to that deep desire of the soul. So there's one other thing about pain that I did want to take some time here to talk about because it's very interesting for those of you that are engaged in a transformational process and have been now for decades is there does come a time after decades of clearing work that we move into a new relationship with pain if we have engaged in life as spiritual warriors. Now if we haven't engaged in life as spiritual warriors, we're still sitting in our stories and the fact of the pain, even if that pain is suppressed, the fact of that pain is what is telling us we need to change. So In the beginning, the pain is saying, this is not okay, this needs to change, something is wrong, something is off course, something is not right. But later, decades down the road, after some time truly engaging in life as a spiritual warrior... Clearing your pain, following the path that that requires, and allowing yourself to be transformed by that experience that 's the path of the spiritual warrior and In doing that after a while, we get to our, to a place where we need to understand that just because it hurts doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong and that is a real turnaround from the beginning because in the beginning, it is our pain, be it psychological or emotional, spiritual. It is our constant pain from our separation from our soul and its desires that motivates us to wake up and to clear, to release that which wants to be set free. But down the road, there's also another possibility, which is that just because it hurts doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong because we start to understand that whatever stands between me and my wholeness and my soul's purpose needs to be cleared and often in that clearing process there will be pain just like the girl or the woman who had to grieve again the grief of the girl within her and just like the man who had to feel again the terror of the infant, the newborn infant, in the process of becoming whole within himself. And so What we need to understand at this stage then in our life is how to come into right relationship with discomfort. And from Taoism, what we understand about discomfort is, first off, there is no warriorship without discomfort. There is no spiritual warriorship without discomfort. However, there is an art to moving into our discomfort. So there is an interface in all of our lives between our comfort zone and our discomfort zone. And at the other end of our discomfort zone is pain, pain that damages us permanently. So what we're looking at is this zone between comfort and pain of discomfort. And what we want to learn to do as we learn these different clearing processes, these different modalities for these different aspects of who we are, Is how to use these processes and our relationship with spirit to move us out of our comfort zone into our discomfort around whatever the thing is. And to work right in that realm, just into our field of discomfort. Now, if we go deeper into it, like the woman I described at the beginning of the show who spent three years churning in this discomfort and just losing everything in that process, if we move into the belly of the discomfort, the middle of that zone, then we begin to generate the very thing we're wanting to clear. And that is counterproductive, obviously. And if we go deeper into our discomfort from there, we move into pain that is damaging and unhelpful. And so what we're talking about is learning to be in right relationship with discomfort, to embrace it, but also to understand we want to be right in that top 25% of our discomfort. And that's where change happens. That's where transformation happens. Now, that doesn't seem so hard to sort out, but what I experience with people is there's a deep contemporary confusion between what is comfortable and what is familiar. And so people can't even get to their discomfort because they can't find comfort because they've confused comfort with familiar. And that they've long since numbed out to what the familiar actually feels like. And this is the teaching we go deeply into in the fourth year, including clearing the discomfort of our own ancestors. So those patterns aren't influencing us in our life. So, again, we must be able to discern which way to go with the pain we are feeling. Is it pain that is a sign we need to track this pain, follow the energy and clear it in our life, that it truly is something that wants to be set free and we must let it go? And that's a possibility. Or is the pain that we're feeling, you know, later on in our spiritual process, is the pain that we're feeling simply the discomfort that we must move through to transform what was, who we were, the familiar, into who it is that we need to be and want to be? To live our soul's purpose. And that is another issue of discernment. Again, another reason that we need the cultivation of our truth cord. And surrounding all of this, we must understand that in pain and discomfort, there is a gift. That these are our great teachers. There is something in the pain that wants to be free. And that it is usually some small aspect of yourself that is trapped in old stories, that wants desperately to be free of the script it's been cast in and be able to come out to shake that old story off and to allow, that self wants to allow its true nature to be exposed. And in that way, we come to know ourselves. We come to know our authenticity. We rescue ourselves from where we are trapped in old stories. And we come into the present moment to face our true challenge here, which is to live our soul's purpose. Yes, we do need to discern where the pain is coming from. That is our responsibility. And it is important to discern that because then we understand what modalities do we bring to bear to begin this process to find what needs to be released and understand how to let go of it? And it may begin as a psychological pain and transform into emotional pain, rock it up into a spiritual pain and drop deeply into a physical pain. They don't stay in nice, neat um, aisles like at the grocery store, that everything shapeshifts. Everything that is real in life shifts, and our pain is no different from that. And so to do that, yes, we do need to learn various modalities that allow us to work in the four realms of being a human. And so look at your skill set. Are you heavy on one arena, heavy in the physical or heavy in the psychological in terms of skills you have to deal with that, but have other aspects of who you are where you have no skills Or skills you picked up somewhere along the way that simply don't work. And that's a little sidebar, I must say here, people. But there's a whole lot of stuff being taught out there. And probably only 50% of it is useful. And so be discerning. Trust your truth cord. Don't get hooked into things that are not actually useful for you. Don't drag those modalities around if they're not helping. And finally, we do need to discern the difference between discomfort, between working in our discomfort where we have the possibility to create change and moving into the belly of that discomfort and being courageous and noble and struggling. Because in that belly, in that struggle, we now begin to create the very thing we're wanting to transform. And then in the end, we must trust our pain to guide us on the shortest possible path to the revelation of our own authenticity and our unique soul's purpose. In the end, we are always what needs to be set free. So thank you, Everyone, for listening here this week, I want to thank the ancestors who gathered around us and bring us this wisdom from all of their lives as they learned to find the gifts that were there for them in their pain and their suffering. We give thanks to the earth below for the beauty of this home that we share and the sky above for inspiration and guidance. We give thanks to the heart, the heart that unites us all, And may you all go forward from this show better able to listen to your heart and to find in your life the true desires of the soul. Turning away from those earthly desires. Don't let them run amok in your life. Trust your heart to guide you towards your soul. All of the shows are available for you on iTunes for free download. All the information about healing and the Encyclopedia of Shamanism and other aspects are available for you at lastmaskcenter.org. You can reach me through the email at christina at And you're also welcome to receive sign up for weekly reminders. Please feel free to show, share information about this show with others so that our audience will grow and the wisdom of shamanism can better permeate our contemporary lives. Thank you all. Have a great week.